Welcome to Please Bet All Football Games. Hello and welcome to week two of the 2022 season. I'm your host, Alex, here with the on-air talent, Joe. Joe, how are you doing today? Joe is stressed as hell and worked to the bone, which is why you guys are getting a late and not as uh, depthful pod this week. But we had a winning week one by the skin of our teeth. Uh, I'll recap real quick. We had a unit on LA over Buffalo. I didn't go so good, especially not Moneyline. No, that was a toughie. Luckily, we had a best bet on Miami over New England minus three, and that thing was never in doubt. Not for a second. Yeah, as bad as the Rams were, it was Miami was that good. Uh, we got. I would say we got a little unlucky. Lucky on uh, Carolina over Cleveland for a unit minus two. Uh, the missed field goal wouldn't be why we were unlucky. I would say that we were mostly unlucky by the fifty yard on the fifty yard defensive pass interference call that should have been an interception. Yeah, there were some tough calls. I don't know. I think that one. That's just kind of how a close game like that goes. We're just on the wrong side of it. Yeah, that's how coin flips do tend to happen. They're flips of coins. Um, Unfortunately, we only leaned and gave a bonus bet on Kansas City over Arizona for a half unit, but it did win. And that is another one where closing line value be damned. Yeah, no, I'm kind of mad that uh, I didn't push you more on that one because that's what I felt like. Like, it doesn't matter. They're going to crush them. I was like, okay. Well, we'll trust what we've been talking about with Carolina. Browns aren't good. Should have just gone with the best team. Uh, In a case where closing line value would have been really nice, Green Bay got shellacked by Minnesota. It turns out that the cock is real and the cock is strong. Oh, yeah. We're going to have some fun with that one this year. Yeah. Kevin O'Connell just became my favorite coach, if only because I could say his name. And then uh, finally, Sunday night football, Tampa Bay with like the most boring but complete domination I've ever seen over Dallas. Um Dak Prescott's probably going to want to tell everybody that he hurt his finger on like the first throw of the game because it was not impressive. Yeah, Dallas as a whole looked real rough, except Michael Parsons. He's incredible at passer. They need to just move him down to edge and quit all this linebacker shit, but we can get into that when we get through the games. All right, with that said, you want to hit the games? Let's hit the games, and this week let's try to go a little better than two and three in the uh, Circa Millions contest. Yeah, that would be ideal. All right. Well, on Thursday night, we have the Los Angeles Chargers going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus four. It's minus four. It looks like the Super Contest might have minus four and a half. And uh, I am so tempted to do what we should have done last week with Kansas City because I'll full disclosure, I bet this fucker at minus three uh, literally Sunday night as soon as I got some winnings back. Are, are you with me on this that like Kansas City should roll? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little worried about the defense. Trent McDuffie's on IR. No Keenan Allen. No Keenan Allen. Mike Williams cover. Was non, yeah, who was non-existent last week. Here's the way I see it. Mahomes is back to being the Mahomes that people think of as Mahomes. At least he looked like it in week one. And that's a tiny sample, but like it's Patrick Mahomes. He, I've called him overrated since the day he came into the NFL, but he's very, very good. Justin Herbert is better, but Justin Herbert has much, much weaker weaponry. And more importantly, in my opinion, when Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi are having a good day of coaching, they don't hurt the Chargers. When Andy Reid has a bad day of coaching, he only helps the Chiefs a little. So the mismatch in coaching is fucking huge. And we do have home field advantage on our side with Kansas City on a short week, which I don't know why it matters, but historically it does. So we'd be getting it at four or four and a half. 
See, this is the issue. At either of those numbers, it's a good game between two good teams, and we're taking the favorite laying more than a field goal. That feels so stupid and square that it almost goes full circle and makes me think it might be sharp. Yeah, I don't know, because I feel like the numbers would tell us that you should just take the Chargers, because we think they're you know pretty similar teams. Kansas City's better. But... What a mathematically inclined person would do is take Chargers plus four and a half, and then at some point during the game, live bet it at Kansas City plus anything and hope for a middle with a field goal game. But the problem is that this is going to be such a high scoring fucking game that I don't think four points matters. Like one, we know that the Chargers are going to go for it on fourth down every fucking set, right? I don't think they'll punt whether they score or not. That's going to end one of two ways. Either the Chargers are going to score a lot of points because they keep going for it and getting it, or the Chargers are going to give the Chiefs a lot of short fields because they're not getting it. That leads to more points. More points means that the spread matters less. Two, I know that the defensive ends are really good for the Chargers, and they are. But do they have any other fucking players on their defense? I know Derwin James, but like, I don't love him as a as a coverage safety anyway. Uh, is J.C. Jackson going to play? It's iffy. It's questionable. And to the extent he plays, he's not going to be 100% because he hasn't been able to play. I also just don't see who he matches up well against because the Chiefs do not have like a big-bodied X receiver, and that's JC Jackson's bread and butter. You don't want JC Jackson covering a quick dude who runs good routes, and that's what Kansas City's built on right now. Yeah, it should. I mean, I think you have a matchup advantage there. I think you have, I don't think it's a wash on the D line or in the trenches because Bosa and Mac are both so good. And they while are. I really like Kansas City's O line. I do too. The edges are definitely going to get a handful of plays that they blow up between the two of them. But does that matter when you have Patrick Mahomes who almost wants that to happen? That's a good point. Let's put it on the maybe pile because this is not a great card this week. So we'll put it on the maybe pile and we'll see if we come back to it. But I, I lean towards Kansas City and... If you can find minus three, you go put your dick on that line because I like Kansas City, like in a survivor pool type deal. Don't take them in a survivor pool. That would be stupid. It's a, it's a good game, but I think Kansas City wins this. I think so, too, but it's very possible, especially with Butker out where you can get some weird scores here. That is true. That I worry, but we'll put it on the maybe. And we'll go on to Sunday games. So first up on Sunday, we have the Carolina Panthers going to play the New York Giants. The Giants are minus two. In this week's edition of Joe Tries to Convince You to Bet on Baker Mayfield, this is my favorite bet of the week by a fucking mile. I get the better team with the better quarterback plus points. Um, there are there were some plus threes out there. I don't know if there still are. If you can find them, fucking kill them. But even for contest purposes, plus two and a half. One, Ben McAdoo revenge game. I know you don't think that matters as much as I do. Brian Dable sees the Carolina Panthers and thinks football game. Ben McAdoo sees the New York Giants and thinks my mea culpa. To the extent that he has anything in his tank, it's coming out. Additionally, there's a really long-standing trend. Week two, teams that are 0-1 versus teams that are 1-0. The teams that are 0-1 have a long history of covering the spread and winning outright. Addition, and finally, ridiculous PFF grade notwithstanding, if you watch the Panthers versus Browns game, and I grant you that the Browns got a little conservative in the second half on defense, as soon as the Panthers stopped trying to do quick hitting passes from under center, which literally 
doesn't work. Like it's not meant to work. Nobody ever thought it would work. It's like running a pitch run play out of shotgun. It is stupid. Um, once they stopped doing that and started throwing down the field, they had a lot of success. And the Panthers coaches this week have been talking about how passing the ball is how you win. Throwing downfield is how you win. And they need to be more aggressive earlier and make adjustments on the offensive line earlier. Did I mention that the Giants literally do not have a defensive end because, or I guess they're a three, four. So they do not have an edge rusher because Ojulari and Kayvon Thibodeau are both hurt. That helps because the Panthers O-line did not look very good last week. Mostly just Icky, who had a nine PFF passing grade. Uh, in pass blocking, he had a nine. That's that's tough. I mean, again, I know he went against Miles Garrett in uh, Miles Garrett's revenge game. Because no apparently excusing. that dude <laughs> hated Baker. But yeah, that's that's no excusing a nine. <laughs> yeah, in a in the worst way. Um, my worry in this game is the Carolina run defense looked really bad. Again, the Browns have probably the best rush attack in the league or one of the best. So I don't hold it against them too much, but they haven't been great against the run with rule. And last week was a tough showing and the Giants were good on the ground. I mean, Saquon did classic Saquon stuff of three yards per carry, three yards per carry, three yards per carry, and then like one big run. 169-yard run on an off tackle like clockwork. But, I mean, he looked much better, and, you know, he looked healthy. So I am a little bit worried that they're going to be able to just run on a bunch. I The Browns probably put together the most dominant display of rushing you could ever imagine against the Panthers in week one, and the Browns won because they kicked a 60-yard field goal and got extreme turnover luck. True, but the Browns were also terrible passing the ball because Jacoby Brissett is a bad quarterback. Daniel Jones didn't look a ton better. That's a fair point. In garbage time with Mike Vrabel doing the thing where he recedes into his shell like a tortoise with no penis, uh, Daniel Jones accumulated some stats, but he he was not good. Yeah, and we are we do look at it of the Giants were getting absolutely handled until Vrabel started playing possum. And this is what Vrabel does. Like, this is why we don't bet Titans. So the Giants are who they showed us they were when they went down two touchdowns. They are not the team that came back. That is simply Mike Vrabel being himself a coward. That's a good point. I think you've convinced me. All right. I'm all in with you. We've got Carolina. I don't know if it's a best bet, but probably Um, because I get my way. Yeah, we know. All right, what do we got next? Next, we have the Indianapolis Colts going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are plus four. This is a toughie because if you were to have told me like two months ago, I get Matt Ryan and Indy minus three and a half because the contest line is three and a half. I get Matt Ryan and the Colts minus three and a half coming off of what amounts to a loss against Jacksonville. I would have been pretty excited. But for some reason, and that reason being I watched the football game on week one uh, against Houston, I'm really not excited about this Colts team and I want to stay away. They did not look good. The only reason I think this could be like a sneaky one where we get good value on a Colts Jags game at minus three and a half effectively for the super contest is that the Colts typically look bad in week one with Frank Reich. Matt Ryan's new. I don't think he played a ton in the preseason. 
So a bit of a stinker in week one is maybe to be expected and not necessarily indicative of how good the team is. And we should maybe trust how we viewed them in the offseason. I love all of those points. And it is worth noting, I noticed a trend. Every team that didn't play their starting offensive players very much in the preseason got off to a really slow start in the first half and then exploded in the second half. We mentioned the Panthers earlier. Baker Mayfield was all caught up in that uh, bullshit uh, quarterback controversy. Everything looked a little disjointed in the first half. Second half looked nice. Matt Ryan, first half, couldn't get anything going. Second half, they started to move the ball. How much of that is prevent defense and how much of that is getting the rust off? I'm not sure, but maybe pile. Yeah, I think goes to maybe pile. Um, just because it's not a great week, I think we might end up taking it. It's an actionable line with a team that we were high on a couple weeks ago versus a yeah. team that still has no offensive line and let's say questionable weaponry on offense. And I mean, fuck, Trevor Lawrence is questionable, which I knew I was low on him relative to the market when he was coming out in the draft. But if this is it, I'm going to be a little surprised myself. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll put it in the maybe pile and move on. Next, we have the Miami Dolphins going to play the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are minus three and a half. Why shouldn't we bet the Ravens? Tua looked like shit. The Dolphins, despite all the bells and whistles and amazing skill weapons, scored seven points on the inept Patriots defense. Yeah, I mean, the only because the only thing you talk about with the Dolphins is that you have Waddle and Tyree Kill that can overcome Tua's limitations. Yep. But then you go to Baltimore, who has... I mean, I know Kyle Fuller just tore his ACL, but they still have Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. And the best safety in football in Marcus Williams. Right. To cover both of them with a bad quarterback. And all of those guys are ball hawking. They create turnovers left and right. And and Miami's biggest weakness on offense, aside from the bitch that they have for a quarterback, is that their offensive line, it's not even that it's necessarily bad. It's that it's not intelligent. They make stupid mistakes. They get confused. There is literally no more confusing defense than the Ravens. They bring exotic blitzes and strange fronts, and it will fuck you up. And what does Baltimore... Also, another angle, what does Baltimore do to bad teams? They fuck them up, right? I don't think that Miami's necessarily not a bad team simply because they beat the Patriots on a defensive touchdown and just egregiously bad quarterback play going around. Another angle, and this is an angle I don't think many people are going to have, this is a Lamar Jackson revenge game. How do you how do you figure? Because Lamar Jackson is from Miami. Lamar Jackson is a pending free agent. And Lamar Jackson keeps on fucking liking photoshops of him in Dolphins gear. <laughs> it's happened like seven times this summer. And and I personally believe that he is going to be a dolphin. I think that he is holding out in Baltimore. I don't, I think they're smart enough not to pay his ass. And I think that he would actually be a very interesting fit in Mike McDaniel's offense. I was going to say, if we're talking about good fits for Lamar, that's probably the only one outside Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, they would, they would have to figure out the O-line a little bit more, but you have two absolute burners to make sure that you can't crowd the box and, you know, just try and cover the run against him. So you have just unlimited space but i haven't i haven't used this word i haven't used this word in a long time but i think that that might be the trillest offense in the nfl if you combine tyree kill and lamar jackson i really could stop there but adding jalen waddle like that would be fun to watch i think lamar would still be lamar but fuck would that be fun to watch anyway 
Lamar Jackson, extra motivation. Baltimore runs up the score on shitty teams and it's in Baltimore. So you don't have to worry about the Miami heat. Haha. Getting to the away team. Um, do we toss Baltimore in the bet pile? Yes. Okay. Baltimore minus three and a half, one unit. Let's go. Beautiful. All right. Next game. We have the New England Patriots going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are plus two. You know the meme, my dick can only get so hard. <laughs> well, mine can only get so soft. Never before have I seen a matchup of two quarterbacks who deserve to be in the NFL less. Just kidding. It happened to New England last week, too, and we saw the result. <laughs> uh, literally, in two New England games, in the, Bostonians are so fucking lucky. In the span of two games, they get to see the three arguable worst quarterbacks in the NFL play football. Um, Pittsburgh is better, period. But no TJ Watt hurts a lot. Yeah. Especially because Mac Jones has got no pocket awareness and just, Oh, if we had TJ Watt, that's a touchdown right there. I guarantee it on a sack fumble, but new England is going to be motivated coming off of a loss that is embarrassing. Pittsburgh is going to be, dare I say, thrilled with themselves for one of the luckiest wins of all time against the golden children that are the Cincinnati Bengals. Five turnovers, man. Joe Burrow, five turnovers. And still, they still, a higher PFF, still a higher PFF grade than Baker Mayfield somehow. Make it make sense. You can't, you won't, I won't listen. Um, I want Pittsburgh in this because I want to fade New England as often as I can. But two and a half, wait, am I getting two and a half points? Yes, you're getting points. We have this to do is, it. We have to do it. I, we get a home I, dog against the third worst team in the NFL. Let's take the fucking Steelers. Let's fucking do it. I, I think we have to. I really don't want to. But once I, I saw their home dogs, like they're both really bad teams. And I'm kind of mad if we bet on it because then I have to pay attention to this game. You don't have to. Well, yeah, but I'm going to. I will. And too. if this was like week 17, this is a perfect week 17 matchup of just like the season's damn near over. It's just gross football. And you're like, yeah, let's watch these two shitter teams and awful quarterbacks battle it out because I just want football as we get towards the end. Now there's tons of good games and I'm all excited about real stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I know why we're loving the fucking Steelers here. Mac Jones is bitching about some phantom back injury that the doctors can't seem to locate. You know what's worse than a physically inept doughboy of a quarterback? A physically inept doughboy of a quarterback who cannot contort his body properly to put velocity on the ball. The Steelers are going to make so many fucking plays on the ball with their opportunistic defense. Like this is this game screams yet again. Minka Fitzpatrick gets a bunch of fucking picks and everybody says he's great and it frustrates me, but they're right in this instance. We're taking Pittsburgh. Holy shit. Yeah, this one scares me, but I think it's the right play. It is absolutely the right play. This is one of the best plays on the board. All right. Next game. We have the New York Jets going to play the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are minus six and a half. I don't want to fucking talk about this game. Nope, me either. I, uh, I read it and was like, well, this is going to be quick. We've got two backup quarterbacks. We've got two teams I don't care about, coaches I don't like, and somehow a touchdown fucking favorite for the team that probably should win in a low-scoring affair. I'm just not touching I think it. they're going to do damn near the same thing they did to Carolina last week if they're just going to run the shit out of the ball yep. and attack after the quarterback because yeah. they have the corners to keep up with. The, and the and the Jets have out. no the Jets have no tackles left. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, next game, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to play the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are plus two and a half. So before we stumbled into Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I kind of wanted to bet Tampa a lot. 
But why does Tampa always look bad playing the Saints, though? Because the Saints historically have had elite secondary play that is no longer there. Uh, Marcus Williams, the best safety in the NFL. I will not stop saying it. The best safety in the NFL, gone. CJ Gardner Johnson, who is he a little overrated? Sure, but he's really good, especially in the slot. And he's the kind of physical presence that's especially effective against the Buccaneers, right? Because the Buccaneers are not a speed team. They're really not even a route running team. They're more of a like, hey, you want to fight? Like that, that's their wide receivers like go-to move is like, I'll fucking hit you. Get out of my way. Uh, and then it works. Um Additionally, let's recall that in the game last year, last year where Tom Brady only managed like three points and it was abysmal, he had no wide receivers left. And I know that the Buccaneers wide receivers are quote unquote banged up this week, but that's just what Mike Evans always is. That's just what Julio Jones at this age is. I would legitimately be shocked if we got to Sunday and they weren't all full goes except for Chris Godwin. So yes, Marshawn Lattimore will take Mike Evans out of the game. It's what he does every fucking year. I don't think that Bradley Roby can hang with Julio Jones. I don't think Paulson Adebo can hang with Julio Jones. I don't think that the Saints pass rush will be effective enough to create a real problem for Tom Brady. And frankly, I don't think Tom Brady's happy with how he fucking played last week against Dallas. And frankly, I think Tom Brady would like to beat New Orleans one time before he retires. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he would like that as well. I mean, they won last week, but they didn't look like great, even though they kind of dominated. I think like, that it I think that's kind of they go hand in hand. Those facts. It's just so strange with the Tom Brady team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all the thinking and process. Literally, the only hang up I have is that they always suck against New Orleans. Yeah, no. And that's like a really like it's a trend that actually makes sense and is extremely strong. Um, well, I mean, like New Orleans is not going to move the ball on Tampa at all. We, I mean, we saw what they were not able to do against Atlanta last week until Atlanta went like obscene prevent defense and New Orleans went extreme up tempo. And even still, it took an Atlanta debacle, the kind of debacle that only Atlanta knows how to do consistently. <laughs> this is definitely a maybe pile. Tampa Bay is the better team and absolutely should win. We're laying less than a field goal, but it's scary. Yeah. All right. I think it, it's good on the maybe pile right now. We'll come back to it. And in the final game of the one o'clock hour, we have the Washington Commanders going to play the Detroit Lions. The Lions are minus one and a half. This game is puke, but we should definitely bet the Redskins. I I don't have much of a read on this game. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be great. Why Why should we take Washington? I don't know if you just heard that car explode outside. Um, it is 1 a.m. in Manhattan. No car should make any noise. Uh, City never sleeps. Woo! Yeah, leave it all behind. Um, anyhow. Good friend of the show, Restore the Roar, a.k.a. Rory on Twitter. Uh, big Lions fan. Tipped me off to the fact that Big V Halapate Vitae is hurt. He's done for the year. Back surgery. The guy that they had replace him at guard had a zero PFF grade last week. Zero? Zero. I've never heard of that. I haven't either. I hadn't heard of a nine. And I was like, Iki Aquanu fucking sucks. And then I heard zero. So apparently the Lions are really fucked on the interior. It's a good thing they don't have to play the fucking twin Alabama terrors at defensive tackle in, uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, is it Deron Payne, Payne yeah. and third overall? Deshaun Hand? No, not Deshaun Hand. The Jonathan good one. Allen? He's got a super boring name. Isn't it Jonathan Allen? Yes. 
super boring name. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got two insane defensive tackles. They're going to get pressure up the middle. At the very least, they're going to be able to stifle the run. Uh, Jared Goff can go ahead and try to throw it all day. And then having only having not charted the game, but having watched cutups, dare I say Carson Wentz is back to being less bad than anticipated. Uh, his, his stats got thrown out of whack a little bit on a picked screen, which is the kind of is the exact kind of thing, actually, that you keep saying. There's no way that that's stable. And then Carson Wentz keeps on fucking doing it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Most other people, you go, wow, that's a freak play. With Wentz, you go, eh, that's maybe something we kind of have to factor in for him. But he's better than Jared Goff. I agree there. And we've got two shitty secondaries. Like, I love Kendall Fuller. I love Amani Oruwariye. I hate the rest of the corners in this game. Yeah. Uh, I love Aiden Hutchinson. I don't love him as much as I love Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen in the middle against a guy who got a zero PFF grade. I think the running games probably cancel out. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre Swift looks like he's playing, but he's hurt. I mean, it's an ankle, too. I was going to say, the Lions have a bunch of dudes who are banged up. (sighs) Okay, another maybe pile, because when it boils down to it, I just don't love the prospect of betting on the Redskins ever. Yeah, we're betting on a lot of bad teams. Yep. All right, and into the 4 o'clock hour, we start with the Atlanta Falcons going to play the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are minus 10.5. This is just one of those games I can't touch. Uh, The Falcons, I'm eternally high on. Uh, Mariota looked every bit as good as I expected him to, but the, the Rams significantly disappointed. They've shaken the rust off from not playing anybody all summer, and the Falcons are not going to be able to do the one thing that the, that the Bills were able to do, which destroyed the Rams' game plan, which is rush the passer. Uh, Rams will win. I don't know by how much. I don't care. I'm not touching this game. I hope both teams have fun. Yep. I expect the Rams to have a big bounce back game. Just we've talked some of the other teams that didn't play a lot in preseason and they got embarrassed week one long break, but 10 and a half is too big of a number. I don't need to deal with it. We have the Seattle Seahawks going to play the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are minus eight and a half. We're moving at such a breakneck pace that I actually have a small nosebleed. I'm not joking at all. I'm not doing any cocaine either. It's really upsetting. Uh, I like the wrong side in this game. Uh, smart money, the the heady folk, the contrarians, will tell you that San Francisco lost in a monsoon that shouldn't have counted last week, and therefore everybody's low on them. And Seattle won a game they absolutely deserve to get blown out in, but for two insane fumbles and one of the worst end-of-game decisions I've ever fucking seen. Therefore, Seattle is massively overrated. San Francisco's massively underrated. Bet on San Francisco. Here's the problem. I actually upgraded Seattle slightly because I thought that their defense would suck, and it kind of did. But their offensive tackles, who are both rookies that I liked a lot coming out, Charles Cross, OT1, fucking Panthers, you idiots. They looked as good as I thought they would look about six weeks early. They look awesome. Additionally, Geno Smith, I thought was about a 2.0 quarterback. Drew Locke, Jared Goff caliber. I was wrong. I've upgraded him to a 2.2. I think he's just below Dak and Kirk Cousins. And I think he's got upside to go even higher. He looked clean, man. I mean, it wasn't a perfect game. And at the end, they struggled a little bit, but he was doing pretty well. Well, I mean, a lot of his success was on script and the script was long. Their script lasted two drives. You could very clearly tell. But Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator, looked like a mini McVay. He looked like one of the next crop of head coaches. Looked really good, really good script. Everything was on time and they moved the ball. And San Francisco's defense kind 
kind of sucks. And Trey Lance is easily the worst quarterback in this game. It's 10 fucking points, dude, in a low-scoring affair with two teams that like to run the ball. Eight and a half. Is it eight and a half? That's what I have. Contest line is nine and a half, and I bet 10 this morning. I bet on Seattle. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, so I think a lot of people are agreeing that Seattle, I, I feel I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I think Seattle's the right play. I don't think San Francisco's that much better. It's a division game where both teams are going to run the shit out of the ball. It's just not going to be that many with, points in this game. You're not going to have yeah, time with, to get margin. Yeah. Not great offenses. I mean, Seattle's defense is not good. And Jamal Adams is done for however long. And Seattle is bad so, against the run, and San Francisco's gonna run. Yeah, and, I mean, San Fran lost Elijah Mitchell, but I don't think that matters that much. They want to run with Debo anyway. Yeah, they just plug and play at running back. Um, but I feel like with eight and a half and two teams that aren't that different, and it's probably going to be a low-scoring game, that's why I would go Seattle. I want to maybe pile it. Yeah, I I don't – I'm not crazy about it, but it can go in the maybe pile. All right, we maybe pile Seattle. Yep. Next up, we have the Arizona Cardinals going to play the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are minus five and a half. This line has moved like three points already, and I don't want to fucking touch it. Um, I have these teams very similarly rated. That's all I have to say about that. Like, I, both of these quarterbacks are not great, but have some explosiveness to them. They could put together a great game any, any fucking week. I love both of these coaches offensively. Both of these rosters suck on defense. Both of these rosters have shit defensive lines. Uh, the only angle I can see on this game off the field is uh, Chandler Jones' revenge game, if he's even healthy. But Yeah, I mean, I was encouraged that the Raiders picked it up in the second half. I mean, I don't when they score a field goal in the first half. So maybe they're a team that they're warming up, new coach. Devonte Adams is new, but I don't, I don't feel that strongly enough that strongly about it at five and a half. Five and a half feels Same boat as you. like an overreaction, honestly. Yeah, yeah. To the the Charger or the Cardinals getting run and the Raiders not looking great in that game. All right, we can move on. Next, we have the Cincinnati Bengals going to play the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are plus seven and a half. This is just like the premium brand. Ver- this is this game is to infinity. No. Okay. This game is infinity, like the fucking car brand, as Cleveland versus Jets is Hyundai. This is the shitty luxury car version of the other shitty game. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I see what you're saying. You took me on a little bit of a ride there, but yeah, I get it. Um, It's two kind of mids overrated teams. Like they're both above average but on the low end of good. Uh, honestly, if da- I, I kind of wish Dak were playing in this game so it could be the single most overrated game of quarterbacking we've ever seen. Yeah, it is a little frustrating he's not playing for that reason. Um, and, like, and, and Dak is wildly overrated, which means that Cooper Rush is probably underrated, but the problem is that Cooper Rush really does not belong in the NFL by any stretch of the imagination, and therefore I can't touch this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the Cowboys always suck with their backup quarterbacks. Cooper Rush is terrible. The Cowboys aren't Bengals that great are, with their starting quarterback. Fuck. Yeah, I know, but they're they're especially bad with the backups. Bengals are mad. I think the Bengals are going to win this game comfortably, but again, at seven and a half, it's just too tough of a number. I feel like how about this? Kind of right on, and if, I don't care enough to pick one side. If the Bengals don't win this game by damn near the number, and and we're not betting it, it's not even on the maybe pile. We're not considering it. But if the Bengals don't at least come close to covering, you got to think about cutting Joe Burrow. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know about all that, but no, but they yeah, would be it's going to be. It, they would be very stupid not to trade him, and I believe that they are very stupid. You know what you could get yeah, for I that mean, mediocre at best quarterback right now? Oh, oh, trade rape. Oh, uh, where else are you going like, to find a guy who can single-handedly give the other team five possessions? <laughs> Again, he didn't play a ton in the preseason. He threw thirty pickable balls last year. Yeah, I know. Where, but I don't think we can dance on his grave right away. All the regression hit him in week one. <laughs> it would all be right. frustrating if he just got all of his bad luck and regression out in week one and then went back to. That is what I expect. Perfectly. That is exactly what I expect because Joe Burrow is the single luckiest and most frustrating human on earth. Outstanding. Well, with that, let's move on to the final game of the four o'clock hour. We have the Houston Texans going to play the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are minus 10. We definitely shouldn't take the team that has the better quarterback that's getting 10 points, right? Like, no. I don't I don't think so, just because the Texans are bad. I think they're probably going to be riding high off of last week. Broncos the, uh, are the opposite. The proxy that I'm looking at currently has Houston as zero and zero for their record, which is true. <laughs> yeah, they did talk. Yeah, I think we've said enough about this game. I think I've said enough by saying that Davis Mills is better than Russell Wilson. If, if you disagree, I'll fucking thumb wrestle you about it. And that's about that. Beautiful. Sunday night, we have an NFC North matchup with nope. the Chicago Bears going nope. to play the Green Bay Packers. This game's not happening. We're not talking about it because at some point Sunday night, I promise you, I will get a twinge in my heart and I will go find my Jay Cutler jersey and I will put it on and I will feel pride for the first time in a year. And after about 13 seconds of watching whatever the fuck the Bears call football, I will remember why I no longer care for this team at all and basically cannot be forced to watch them. The number is minus 10, by the way. Um, I agree with you. I don't. I don't, I don't care to bet on this game. I don't uh, care to watch this game. I, my sister was like, hey, why don't you come over and watch the Bears for old time's sake? I was like, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'll watch this game. It'll be, it'll be fun to see if Aaron Rodgers and the Packers can get out of their funk from week one. And you, you mean if Aaron Rodgers can stop throwing a bitch fit because he doesn't like the way that his receivers are wide open? Yeah. Yes, exactly that. I, dude, um, the fucking separation was crazy. He's just such a little bitch. I fucking hit. Oh, you had a drop? Oh, no. <laughs> That's it. He got an overdose on ayahuasca. Take a nice five-hour trip, bitch. And who else would they break out of their slump against than the Chicago Bears? Mm-hmm. No, no. I. You know what? I bet I... I got a bold prediction for you. I bet my father does the same thing that I'm going to have an urge to do and gets back into Bears fandom for one night only just to watch the Bears get skull fucked by the Packers again. He will sigh and say nothing changes and then he will stop watching football for the year because that's what Chicago has done to us. They've just beat football out of you or out of him entirely. Yeah, no, he literally because of the Bears. Literally, he will not watch. That's commitment. I think we can go ahead and move on to Monday, please. On a Monday night doubleheader. First up, we have the Tennessee Titans going to play the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are minus 10. I fucking hate this game. I fucking hate this game because the Bills should not be 10 point favorites over the Titans. The Titans should be a good team, but the Titans are coached by Mike Vrabel. So they'll probably run the ball up the gut, like four straight sets of downs and then look up and already it's 21-0. I don't know how Tennessee is going to generate a pass rush. I don't know how they're going to contain Josh Allen. I hate their corners. Caleb Farley looks as lost as Caleb Farley looked at Virginia Tech. Christian Fulton's awesome, but that's just one guy. I think it's going to be a rough day for the Titans. It's going to be rough. But it's it's 10 points and I don't. 
I'm not going to do that. I don't want to lay the 10 points. I don't want to fucking bet on the Titans ever again. Yeah. I, we have plenty of shit. We got plenty of shit. Um, yeah, no, let's fuck this game. It's sad to see such a great roster dwindle to nothing for no reason, but such is life in the NFL. Can't bet on the Titans anymore. Yeah, it's toughy. All right, let's move to the final game of week two. Monday night, we have the Minnesota Vikings going to play the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are minus two. I've literally been waiting all podcast to get me some cock. I know. I'm so excited to see how uh, the Eagles handle some cock. The Eagles are not going to handle cock well. I mean, it's their first time seeing cock. You, you think they're going to uh, fumble in the face of the cock? I think the cock's going to spread them out pretty well and just slice through them they're gonna get skewered by the cock all right i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna break down if we keep going um jokes aside i actually do not think that the eagles will handle kevin o'connell's offense very well um we get into it one the eagles play exclusively zone we saw what happens when you play exclusively zone against this new look vikings team last week the Packers have extru- like just such better personnel. The Packers' third corner would arguably be the best corner on the Eagles. Uh, the Packers have Rashawn Gary, who would easily be the best pass rusher on the Eagles. The Packers have Kenny Clark, who would probably be the best interior lineman on the Eagles. And the Packers got fucking bewildered because the Vikings ran a fuck ton of motion. They had plays where legitimately they'd do Canadian football. So they'd start Justin Jefferson on the left side of the field, typically, and they'd motion him right. And instead of doing like the little jog across, like, oh, let's see which coverage they're playing. Do they follow? Is it man or do they stay in its zone? he'd fucking dead sprint they'd snap the ball while he's dead sprint and he would just run a fucking out like just continue running laterally and he's already got a head start and he was faster than you to begin with it's wide open five yards plus whatever he gets after the catch because he puts you on skates they are taking Justin Jefferson, who's a top five wide receiver in the NFL, and they are doing the same gimmicky bullshit that turned Cooper Cup's mediocre ass into an all-time producer. It's fucking going to be unstoppable. And Kirk Cousins is adequate. He's not Matt Stafford, but he's probably the second best quarterback in the league that's in one of these Shanahan offenses. We see what Jimmy G can do in it. Cousins is a lot better than that. I would agree with you. My, I, I think last week was a really good indicator for the Vikings because a lot of people have talked about them as like a sneaky good team. They have a pretty good roster. You know, they have a an analytics forward-thinking GM they just brought in. They have an aggressive McVay tree coach they brought in. And then they just wipe the Packers, who are not necessarily a Super Bowl favorite, but they're a team that's in that conversation. Yeah. Well, and it's the way they did it. It's it's one thing for Aaron Rodgers to throw a little bitch fit and not throw the ball to open receivers. That's fine. It's the fact that the Vikings abused what I still believe is one of the very best defenses in the NFL because they schematically fucked them. It it's not the thing that Kevin the thing that the cock does so well. Thank you. Is that it gets y'all confused and jumbled up at the line. So you can't even line up and play defense. Like there were several plays. I think I counted four or five when I was charting this game where linebackers or edge rushers were covering Justin Jefferson. I don't think that James Bradbury can cover Justin Jefferson, much less anybody wearing a number. Well, I was about to say wearing a number above 30, but uh, 
times have changed <laughs> to my chagrin uh old man yells at cloud yeah the numbers should be consistent for ease of identification um dude i'm at the age where i'm already starting to forget players names i don't need to fucking memorize the funky ass numbers that they wear as well like, i need it simple anyway yeah yeah it, hey man everyone's got their preferences i'll just repeat old man yells at cloud yeah i know i know what i am uh anyway the vikings are going to be especially dangerous anytime that they play against a zone heavy defense we saw what the detroit lions i repeat the detroit lions did to that zone heavy defense somehow the eagles are getting hyped as a top five team right now their defense is way too conservative for that they just play off and rush four and incredibly basic like okay i don't like the vikings defense but Ed Donatel is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. Ed Donatel was Vic Fangio's right-hand man forever. It was not Brandon Staley, like some would lead you to believe. And he runs that, I don't want to call it exotic, but it's different. Basically, the theory behind the Fangio defense that Donatel runs, and not the one that Staley runs, is that they crowd the line and make things look muddy, but then they play drop quarters coverage. So you can't throw over the top, but you can't run. And while the coverages are designed to allow you to get the short passes, the alignment makes it difficult to practically do so. Brandon Staley fucks this up because he vacates the box to put more people in coverage because he would actually rather you run the ball. The issue is that then the run game becomes extremely efficient and the defense is playing so far back that the positioning no longer obfuscates the short passes. All of that is a really complicated, nerdy way of telling you that the Vikings defense is smart and they've got good intelligent safeties. Zadarius Smith probably is nowhere near as good as he was in the revenge game against Green Bay, but he looked awesome against Green Bay. If he can look half that good against the other teams, he's probably the best pass rusher they've had in three years. Yeah, since Daniil Hunter has been hurt and all out and fighting for contract and everything. And being strange. Yeah, my only concern here, I I do kind of agree that we should go Vikings, mainly because I think the Vikings are set up really well to stop the run. That's like all they've added the last few years or the last few years, they've been very intentional about adding humongous guys on the D-line. And they still have Eric Kendricks. They still have Eric Kendricks. And the Eagles are, you know, they're not a run-only team, but they're based in the run. And if you can frustrate hurts and not let him run around and not give them you know short third downs and everything from the run game i think they're really going to be able to shut them down yeah the one downside the one detraction that i can think of is that Kirk cousins sucks in prime time he does and this was the the other thing that i was getting to before i went on a tangent and forgot myself is that i do worry a little bit that we're overreacting to week one about the Vikings in that the Packers have been bad in week one with LaFleur. True. They were terrible in week one last year against the Saints. So maybe the Packers also just suck in week one. They clearly do. And the Vikings are still kind of maybe a little bit better than we expected them to be, but they're not necessarily like a very good team. So my, I would counter that by saying my preseason evaluation of them was that they were going to be decent, but that they might be really good if the coach 
actually looks good. So before the season, having never seen the cock, a virgin, if you will, I gave him an average grade. I assumed he would be a perfectly average coach just because, you know, probability says that's what he would be. Uh, Doing so, I had the Vikings around like team 15. I have upgraded the cock ever so slightly. The cock is now a slightly above average coach who is good on offense and average in everything else. Uh, that's not I what think I actually many mean. would be happy with a slightly above average cock. Oh yeah. No, slightly above average cock would do wonders for most teams. Uh, assuming that he is only slightly above average. We're talking like 6.3 inches. They're the 10th best team in my power ratings. I think the cock is like seven inches, eight inches. Even it's a pretty nice cock. That's that's like upper 1%. Man. We're just break. Like the, the metaphor has just become less and less metaphoric. And soon we will just be talking about penises. I, that's where I got to like two minutes ago. So yeah. Happy you've caught up. Well, I mean, um, it's going to get, yeah, I do remember if we don't cut it out. <laughs> I do remember you telling me that you thought he was going to be very good, but you were, you know, going to, you weren't going to upgrade him until you actually saw him. And last week he did kind of look like what you told me you expected from him of aggressive, creative downfield offense yeah. that gets guys open. That actually leverages the fact that they have two really good receivers and gets them out wide. Like, okay. Everybody loves to bandy about the stat. Like, Oh, you know, Kirk Cousins sucks in primetime, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Well, which teams play in primetime? The Jacksonville Jaguars got a lot of primetime games. Do- I believe they have one a year. Do, did two. your did your uh, childhood Browns under Deshaun Kaiser and uh, Charlie Fry did they have a lot of primetime games? They did not. Typically, when you play a primetime game, you're playing an average or better team. Typically, like that's the likelihood. Additionally, when you're Kirk Cousins, typically you're playing in a game. Mike Zimmer is your coach. Mike Zimmer sucks. A lot of people that don't know what the fuck they're looking at love to be like, oh, but Mike Zimmer is one of the best coaches ever against the spread. That's lovely. You know how that happens? Case Keenum has the fucking season of his life while you're coaching him. (laughs) Take away that season. What's his against the spread record look like? It's not so good. It's like remarkably average because frankly, judging a coach by against the spread record makes no fucking sense. It's pretty dumb. The spread evaluates every facet of the team, not just the coach. You can't give the coach all the fucking credit or else you would think that like Bill Belichick was the greatest coach of all time or something, <laughs> which would be stupid. I like that you are, you, you always have that agenda working. I appreciate it. Bill Belichick and Joe Burrow are the same fucking guy in my brain, just underachieving consistently, but in a way that is arrogant to the extent that everybody buys it. You could throw Jarvis Landry in there too. Like Jarvis Landry, notwithstanding, they are, they define mediocre white men in that whole, I love it. that whole trope, just failing upward, throwing dropped interceptions and making stupid coaching blunders all the way to fucking fame and glory. With that said, I think we can uh, wrap up our evaluation on this game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I already have money on Minnesota. I took the money line for a unit in real life. And then I got a half unit down on them plus three that is no longer available. Uh, sorry. Uh, would have recorded the pot earlier. You got a problem with it. Take it up with my boss. Yeah, I, I agree. We should do Minnesota. Cool. Um, so where does that put us? We have three right now, four. We have Carolina, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Minnesota. Uh, three of those really hurt my fucking soul. Those being yeah. Pitt, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, and Carolina scare the fuck out of me, but are legitimately correct. Baltimore, I don't like it because I don't, I think Baltimore is overrated, but this is how they win. Now we have to pick one of Seattle getting a little more than a touchdown, 
Tampa Bay laying less than a field goal. Indiana Polis laying four against Jacksonville. Kansas City laying the better part of a touchdown. Or Washington effectively pick them against Detroit. Do you have any early favorites? So in real life, I've bet a unit on Seattle plus 10. I've bet a unit on Kansas City minus three. I kind of want to bet a unit on Tampa. I definitely want to bet a unit on Tampa. Washington feels like a smart play, but I don't want to fucking circumcise the mosquito too badly. Yeah, my my worry there is that we're already picking some shitter teams and kind of doing the the smart thing. Like I feel like that's what we're doing with Pittsburgh is we're not necessarily betting on that team as much as we're betting against the other team. So that's where I'm, they're probably at the bottom of my list of who I would want to do. Detroit's going to win like four games this year though. And we get a team at fucking pick them. Detroit is one of those games where in three weeks, four weeks, we could look back and be like, how the fuck didn't we bet the farm? Can't we say the same thing about Indy against Jacksonville, though? Yeah, which is why they're also on the list. I think I would rather bet on Indy against Jacksonville than Washington against Detroit, though, because I think Jacksonville's worse than Detroit is. Yeah. And I think Indy's better than Washington is. Yeah. And that's very well argued. I mean, yeah, I know we're we're giving up four to bet on Indy compared to getting a point and a half betting on Washington, but I feel like Indy is going to bounce back from week one. They always are bad with Reich. We're probably getting extra value because for whatever reason, well, no, for whatever reason, Indy always loses to Jacksonville, despite being way better. Yeah. But if we're playing a whatever reason game, Tampa Bay always loses to New Orleans for whatever reason. I would rather bet on Tampa Bay beating New Orleans than Indianapolis beating Jacksonville if we're going to play the fuck trends game. Okay, that's that's well argued. So we've I feel like that means we've moved past Washington and Indy and are now sitting on Tampa. So let's can't let's cross out Kansas City because the line has passed us by. Mm-hmm. Remember to live bet that game and find a middle because you will. We're down. We're, we're going to eliminate Indy because if we're fucking if we're just throwing out matchup history tampa is the way to go it comes down to tampa because all they need to do is win by a field goal seattle because san francisco sucks or washington because detroit sucks let's throw away seattle because i don't like i don't like 10 point spreads and i don't like the fact that we have no closing line value here so it comes down to tampa and washington are we going to fade the Lions or are we going to back Brady? Remember that the Lions have no interior offensive line, so they will get interior pressure. They will have a hard time running the ball. I mean, they still have Frank Ragnar. They do. Let's not forget about him because he's a monster. No, I mean, their entire offensive line is fucking elite aside from zero PFF guy, which sucks. Let's take Tampa. Fuck them. You think, you I think, like that too. I mean, Tom Brady they, is, here, here's, here's the calculus. Tom Brady retires in a year. Do you think we're going to be sitting here saying that Tom Brady was 0-6 against the New Orleans Saints in the regular season with the Bucs? That does seem crazy. Like I think yeah. Tampa, you know, they, they have depth at corner that should match up with the Saints where they don't really have a great wide receiver. Yeah. They just have a handful of good ones. They're going to throw those short passes and the Bucs play crowded boxes that are going to stifle that shit, tackle people after the catch, and completely shut down the run. This game is going to come down to can Brady move the ball against the Saints? He's got extra motivation because historically they've beat up on him. He's got extra motivation because he didn't play particularly great against the Cowboys. And he's never had an easier time against the Saints because they've depleted their own secondary. Let's fucking do Tampa. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. All right. So our five picks are going to be Carolina. Is it a best bet? 
I don't know if I want to do Caroline on a best bet. You know, typically I would say fuck your emotions, but I agree with you. We'll do Carolina for a unit. Should we do Baltimore as a best bet against Miami? I kind of want to do Baltimore. I feel like that's a solid. It's a solid bet. This is what they do. They gang up on teams that aren't that good. They're going to fuck Tua in the ass. A lot of, a lot of homoerotic imagery in this pod. And it's all coming from me. It, it's what the cock brings out in us, man. We we got an episode to talk about the cock a lot and it devolved. It, you're not to blame. I'm not. I'm not making a best bet on Pittsburgh because I refuse to make a best bet on Mitch Trubisky. Uh, it's not going to be Minnesota because I'm a bitch and I don't want to overreact to the cock. Yeah. Cock might be flaccid week two. It's not Tampa because we barely picked Tampa, but we will throw yeah, a I, we will we will throw a half unit on Washington as a bonus pick. Okay, I can get behind that because the bonus pick served us well last week with with the Chiefs. So I think we're just always going to do one now. The, the honorable mention okay. bonus pick that would have been I the like sixth it. pick. By the way, until we I, hit a week where we cannot even pick five. <laughs> dude, I thought that was going to be this week. I'm not joking. If you go, so people that subscribe to my Patreon and our bet backers, mostly free Patreon. Bet backers, you have to pay, but you get to see all my picks live as I make them, right? Like I'll, I'll literally fucking update the shit seconds after I bet. It's the first thing I do. Uh, the fucking opening salvo to the, to the post this week is, oof, this card sucks. I don't know what I'm going to pick. Going to have to figure it out on PBFG. Typically though, when I don't know what the fuck to bet on and we go through it, that's when I have my best weeks. You'll recall last year, week two, we went four and one in the super contest and made like seven units on the fucking pod picks because we had no idea what to pick until we did the pod. I do feel like those weeks are sneaky good for us. The same way that weeks where we go in are like, oh, easy. We got five home runs and then we go one and four. Yeah, Um, exactly. So hopefully this keeps up with that trend because after we went through it, I actually feel pretty good about what we came up with even though Pittsburgh will scare the shit out of me. I mean, dude, I'm I'm going to bet all five of our pod picks. I'm going to bet the bonus pick in Washington. I already bet Kansas City at a different number. I already bet Seattle at a different number, and I'm probably going to bet Indy. I'm probably going to have like nine, 10 fucking bets this week. Damn, going to be another big week. That's why I love football, man. I can't fucking wait. All right, let's wrap this bitch up. Let's put this pot out so people can listen to it before Thursday night football tonight because uh, we've got football on this calendar day. The perks of recording late and also late. Uh, anyway, please don't yell at us for being late. Please don't get mad at us for not doing gas and fade and recapping week one the way we typically would. If I can make one more request, and I know that I'm already pushing it, please bet on football games. Asta. Hey guys, I'm just popping back in to let you know that Alex and I have reconvened after seeing the injury reports come out today, and uh, it it looks like none of the Buccaneers wide receivers are healthy. (laughs) We knew that they were on the injury report, we thought they were just getting veteran days and it would be fine, but it's Thursday and they're still not practicing, so we got a little worried. We also noticed that the Lions' entire interior offensive line is hurt. We knew that Big V, Halapati Vaitai, would be out, but we didn't know that Frank Ragnow might be out which popped today, and we didn't know that, uh, I want to say it's Jonah Jackson, their right guard. He might also be out. So, if you're telling me we've got a Lions team that's going to be relying on, in the best case scenario, some pretty significantly injured dudes facing off against Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, like we spoke about on the pod, man, that matchup is just too good. So... We called an audible. (laughs) The indecisiveness from the pod picks is carried over. 
and we are taking Washington instead of Tampa. Now, we'll leave it the same on the pod pick spreadsheet, but just know that like when you see when and if you see our circa millions contest ticket, that is why it is different. We're not trying to pull a fast one on you. It's just a material change has occurred.